0: This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruwitch. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Riewicz.
1: Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich, and today's episode is called How to Lead and Sell with Heart. My guest today is Wade Thomas. For over two decades, Wade has served as a strategic talent executive who guides leaders to develop and shape organizations from the perspective of high-performance management coupled with compassion and empathy. As the founder and CEO of aim to win Wade has coached and consulted with hundreds of leaders who are now practicing the principles of bringing out the best in high-performing individuals and businesses so that they are equipped to achieve organizational excellence and business growth. Wade resides in Phoenix, Arizona with his family and gets invigorated by taking in a game of soccer, playing a round of golf, or hiking the local foothills. That sounds glorious, Wade. Wade Thomas, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show.
2: Thanks, Tom. It's great to be here.
1: Yeah, we're really happy to have you here. And, and I, I so appreciate and like what you're doing. You have a thing that you call heart-based leadership. It's something you teach, it's something you bring to your clients. Tell us what heart-based leadership is all about
2: so i'm gonna I'm gonna answer that question by telling you how it came about great you know um, so I, I've had a long I had a long career in human resources before striking out on my uh, my own and early in my career kind of my uh, my first job out, you know I worked in a corporate office uh, for about six months and it became a problem at one of our plants and I was dropped in to be the human resources manager at five hundred employee Newly unionized UAW plant. Mm-hmm. I would. Uh, by the way, the plant was losing a ton of money, turning over about 130 percent annually, and a safety rate that was just you know abominable.
1: Wait, I I want you to repeat that. The turnover, the employee turnover at this at this place was 130 percent annually.
2: 130 percent annually.
1: Holy moly! Wow. Okay. Yeah, and, that's uh, a that's a snake pit they dropped you into. They
2: did. And I always remember, um, I'm gonna get into what my boss told me before I went in there. But one of the things he told me was, you know what, you can't screw up any worse. It's a perfect starting job. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, um, but the other things he told me going in there is, you know, there's really one big thing is you have management and you have the union and union just can't win. And, and that jive with what I was taught in, um, my MBA program, that's kind of was the going Thesis back then. That's how you handled employee relations. You have management, you have union. Union can't win.
1: Someone so wins, in. someone loses. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. right. But there's like two
2: entities: management yep. and union. And, yep. and so I went in, and you know, one of the first things I did, just because it's kind of, you know, I, I'm sort of hands-on kind of person, I, I walked the floor. I walked the plant floor. And by the way, it was heavy manufacturing. It was aluminum foundry. And um, I got out there. And I quickly learned that, you know what, there was more than union and management. There was a Bob, a Brian, a Steve, a Janice, a Debbie. There were all these different people, and they all had different interests. And, you know, I I went back to my plant manager after a couple of weeks and said, what if we looked at at these as individual people? You know, what if we broke the stereotype down? And we started really thinking about the people. He was new in the job as well, so he's like, yeah, that sounds good. Makes sense. And so that left us with a union. It was a very interesting situation is the union was about 500 employees, which to me as you know, a 25-year-old, whatever I was, you know, guy right out of grad school, that's a lot of people. But to UAW, that's pretty small. So they got no guidance from their international union. So they were looking for training and guidance and so I kind of taught them that hey it doesn't have to be a management union it can be all this. And and so we really started making an effort to have empathy first to really learn what it was like walking their shoes. And then you know having compassion and that's hard to do in a union shop. Anybody that's ever been in a union shop knows you have a handbook, if not a handbook you have a contract and you have to administer a contract by the rules. But working with the union we were able to you know, find spots where we can have compassion. And that went a long way. So fast forward a year later, the plant made money. The board of directors came and had dinner with all of us. That's a big company. Um, the safety rate was one of the best in the company. And we're turning over about 50%, which was fairly good for manufacturing. We eventually got that down lower. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, you know, that was like really the big learning that guided my entire career. And most of my career, I spent working different turnaround situations, and it was the same formula every time. And you know what? It worked every time. You know was it smooth? No. Did I always have a plant manager that agreed with me? No.. Yep. <laughs> um, you know in fact, that was probably the only time I did. and um but it worked, And we saw such great results, and that was kind of the the foundation for my coaching practice, the book, and um, what I've done since.
1: Sure. So summarize for us that formula, because you shared a, you shared a great story Mm -hmm. and let's boil down that story to the formula that you repeated over and over again. And that, and that works.
2: Yeah. So it starts with empathy. You know, that, that really is a key. I talk about compassion and empathy, but it really starts with empathy. And that's getting out there and knowing people that you work with. Walking in their shoes.
1: Yeah. You used a great expression. Um, a literal description of what you did: you walked the floor, you got out there and put your shoes in the same places that uh, they put their shoes. You put yourself in their shoes. All those metaphors that are so important and that, that are applicable not just for leadership. We'll get to that in a moment. So step one: now uh, step one: walk in, walk in their shoes. Empathy, awesome. Yep. Step,
2: step two is what I did when I was out on the floor. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go out there in a suit. And uh tell them what to do. I went out there in steel toed shoes and a melter, melter's jacket, um, and asked them questions. Mm-hmm. because I really wanted to understand what they were faced with, what their jobs were like. you know, and not necessarily, you know, it wasn't that I needed to know that you know, I shovel three loads of metal in there an hour.
3: Mm-hmm. No,
2: I need to know what's getting in your way. Mm-hmm. You know, what is making this job, what could make this job better? So the second part of it really is asking the questions, listening to the answers. Mm-hmm. The third part of it is doing something about it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And, and you know, in and, and compassion, that's where the compassion comes in. And compassion is, I think, a frequently misunderstood word. Um, and I, by the way, I never used the words compassion and empathy back then. You know, they weren't, you know, very accepted words. People hear compassion is like, that's soft. They're going to run all over us. That's not what it, it's not soft, you know. It's really doing what's right for people, and sometimes what's right for people isn't necessarily making it easy for them or putting up with bad behavior and things like that. So a big part of it is taking and making decisions, taking the actions you need to, you know, putting stretch goals in. You know, you know that's a very compassionate thing because people don't grow unless you stretch mm-hmm. them. So yeah, so some people might say, well, being compassionate means we can give them easy targets. No. Mm-hmm that's not really compassionate. And then, um, you know, the fourth step is really to bake it in everything you do and talk the language.
1: Yeah. 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 Be, you know, and be consistent. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Be consistent, but also and you'll, you'll appreciate this. Um, it's all about storytelling mm-hmm. because, you know, I, if I were the only one out there doing empathy and compassion, it wasn't going to work. Right. So we had to get everybody on board and it, and it, you know, it was not like everybody said, Oh, this is great. no, <laughs> but you started getting success stories and and you told the story over and over and over again. People learn because people learn through stories. And yep. that's if you really want culture change, you know, and that's what putting compassion and empathy into most cultures is a culture change. yep, yep,
1: yep. You, you so So you've described how you discovered this process, this method to become a stronger leader, create a stronger, more Connected workplace. But you've also, over the years, discovered how this same approach, leveraging compassion, works to connect with customers, works to help in marketing and sales. Describe how the two are so connected.
2: You know, it's interesting because a lot of times we kind of look at sales as selling a product Mm -hmm. and we're very product focused. You know, what I argue is learn the customer. Mm -hmm. So do the same thing. There's such power, first of all, with empathy, you know, to empathize with the customers to truly understand them, to truly understand their needs, their desires, you know, their language. Mm -hmm. I use the example, walk the floor in a manufacturing setting. Well, walk the floor with your buyers. Yeah. Get out there and learn it. And there's such power when you can actually speak from their shoes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, And this is where we completely see eye to eye. In Story Power at Story Power Marketing, we talk about the three E framework for building business stories. First E, empathize. Second E, envision. So meet them where they are, walk the floor, understand what problems they're struggling with, what's keeping them at night, up at night, what's frustrating them. Envision what is it that they're hoping to achieve? Where is it they want to go? What would make them feel better? And then enable. Solve the problem, provide in the case of marketing or or sales, a product or service that helps them move from before to after and solve the problem. In the case of leadership, work together to provide systems, tools, processes, changes to uh, solve the problems and, and make it a stronger workplace. And really, that's what's so, so powerful about what you bring to the conversation, combined with what I bring, that so many people imagine that marketing and sales is this magic art, when in fact, if you're a coach or a consultant or a business leader and you know what you're doing, you're putting to work the kinds of things that Wade is teaching here, then the skills you already have can be applied in the marketing and sales arena and it's just a different audience. In this case, it's it's prospects and 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 leads. In the yeah. other case, it's your employees and coworkers. But it is the same process. It's so powerful and so in, and so important. Yeah,
2: you know, I work with a lot of coaches on sales and marketing, and you know, so it's a lot more complicated than this. Yeah, but I could boil it down into: if a coach is selling, they're really coaching. Yeah, coach exactly. the sale. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's that simple.
1: Yeah. And yeah.
2: um you're so true.
1: Yeah, I I have coaches I work with who have told me that they've become better coaches applying the things that I taught them for marketing. And yeah. and and they they knew those things and and they just heightened them. So you you also talk in your work about this idea that a lot of people think that selling is, uh, well, you you use the word yucky. That it's yep. it's painful. It's <laughs> kind of eh, I don't like doing it. And I know that I I run into a lot of people who feel that way. That that selling is below them or selling is dirty, and they don't want to be associated and thought of as a salesman. So talk to me about how all these principles that we're discussing sort of diffuse that feeling and, and turn marketing and sales from something that feels a little bit sleazy and yucky into something that feels better, that feels more fulfilling?
2: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I kind of look at my own background. I, I've, uh, I've been on my own for about seven years.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so seven years ago, as I'm doing my due diligence, you know I'm meeting with a coach. Yep. And one of the things he says to me, is, says, you know, this is, this is a really hard thing. Is you have to love to sell.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now for me, that was a no-brainer because I actually before I did all this coaching and HR stuff, I was a salesperson, and right. I kind of missed I kind of missed the sales. Um, so, but that was a no-brainer. But then as I met coaches throughout, you know, my first few years, they didn't like to sell.
3: Mm-hmm. It was yucky.
2: And that's where I got that word. Yeah, but it's not. And this is what I always tell them: it's basically coaching. You're not you're not selling. You're not convincing them buy something they don't need, right? You are helping them solve a problem. And so how do you do that as a coach? You know, you empathize, Mm -hmm. right? You start off, you start off with that. You start off with discovery, understanding what is going on, what the pain points are for, you know, the prospect, and then you work with them to help solve it,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, that, and think about the power of what you're bringing to their life. or you're bringing up prospects life, you know, you're changing their life. Uh, So when you think about it as you're working with them to help change this pain that they have, that doesn't sound so yucky.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: And and it's really a mindset, but it's also a process.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and if you're following that process that you and I have just described, then it's sort of self-evident. You're solving the problem. You're you're helping them cross the bridge from before to after. It feels rewarding both for them and then for you. And naturally, it's not going to feel as yucky, as sleazy, as yeah. difficult. So you mentioned that you've been out on your own for seven years. You left the factory floor. And what does out on your own look like? Mm-hmm. What is it that you're out there doing?
2: So so what I do, um, I think it's seven years. I should recalculate that at some point. I think it's uh-huh. close to eight. but. Uh, Yeah. So what I do is I I work with um, both corporate leaders and small business owners at improving their business, improving themselves. And so I I do that through largely through one-to-one coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, I also uh, do workshops speaking and uh, soon I'll be launching um, online courses, kind of help. And the idea here is to help more people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, uh, you know, a day in my life is uh, those four things.
1: Yeah, and and so tell us about the courses and and what the core elements of the curriculum will be.
2: So, I'm actually going to be um hitting three different buckets for the courses. Um different but related. So, I have um you know, a line of product that I call Ascent, which is uh geared around small businesses,
3: mm-hmm.
2: helping them um basically operate their business. So, that's going to be one set of courses. And um I also have um on the other side, for corporate leaders, helping them become better leaders, helping them um, bring compassion and empathy into uh, you know into their work, into their culture, and at the same time get results. right. Yep, the two go hand in hand. And then I have one in the middle that um kind of crosses both, and that is career. So it's gonna be helping people um find their career and go get it. Mm-hmm. so and that's that's a passion project for me. You know and, and it does it intersect it's sort of that intersection between leadership and entrepreneurship because it can go either way. Right. But but I think so many people, you know, so many people I talk to are just in the wrong line of work. Mm-hmm. Especially in a corporate side. Yeah. And they're they're unhappy, you know, they they got into it for a lot of different reasons. And um they're just not happy. And, and so what I want to be able to do is help people, you know, find what's right for them. Yeah. Find how to leverage their strengths, find how to have Ra- truly gratifying work.
1: Yep. Yep. So, so how does someone know that they're in the wrong line of work and that they ought to call you?
2: <laughs> so if they're not excited and getting out of bed on a Monday morning, that's a good, good sign.
1: Good sign. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yep. If they're, um, you know, dr- you know, dreading the time they spend at work
1: mm-hmm.
2: or a large part of it, um, they're counting the days to Friday. Mm-hmm. Things like that are all good indicators.
1: Yep. Yep. And then on the other side of what you do, how does that business leader know that, you know, the the business that they're operating, a lot of them might be thinking, well, yeah, there are always some problems and there's a little bit of tension, but everything's okay. What are some of the signs that, oh no, 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 things are not okay here. And you really could benefit from working with someone like you. What, what are some of the red flags?
2: They're spending a lot of time working. Number mm-hmm. one, so maybe they're spending eighty hours working. A lot of that time is in the business, mm-hmm. not on the business. Right. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they don't know how they're. They're very scattergun with who they how they approach the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of work with figuring out who who your tribe is, who your audience is, and how to target them and really narrow it down. Right. Um, <clears throat> those are those are some of the big ones. They're mm-hmm. they're really stressed out. So. Or they're looking at massive growth and they don't know how to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the ones I see the most often.
1: So how, for those who are listening now and you've pressed that button and they're thinking, wow, you're kind of talking about me here. um, How do people get in touch with you? Where do they find you?
2: So there's there's a couple of good ways. Um, One is my website, which is um, Mm -hmm. aimtowinllc.com. They can also get me on LinkedIn. Mm and also have, in uh, can find me on the Facebooks and the Instagrams as well. Um, and uh, you can always reach me on my email at yep. wade.thomas at aimtowinllc.com.
1: Beautiful. And you mentioned the book. Tell us about the book.
2: Yeah. So in 2020, I released a book called From the Heart, Building a Culture of Compassion and Empathy. And um, it really, you know, the story there is I was sitting in a swimming pool one day during COVID saying, mm-hmm. how did I have all this, you know, how did I have all this success? Because I had a lot of career success. And it really did boil down to compassion, and empathy. And so I went back into my past and uh, wrote the book. So it kind of gives you a, a framework to implement that in either your organization or in your own leadership style.
1: Now tell us again the name of the book and tell us where people can find it.
2: So it's called From the Heart.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest way to find it. You can find it on my website as well. Um, but Amazon's the easiest way to find it. Uh, type in From the Heart and Wade Thomas, and it'll take you right there. The um, you do need to put my name in there because apparently um, a really famous romance author
1: uh, <laughs> wrote yeah, a book you don't want to, from the
2: heart, and I and I lose.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't want to you don't want to stumble upon the trashy romance romance novel. No,
2: and, and her algorithm, uh, her algorithm's is much better than mine.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's big business. Those romance novels. So yeah. I can see she she invested in some search engine optimization and and uh, well, whatever. Well, it's, uh, but...
2: it's Nora, it's Nora Roberts.
1: Ah, well, (laughs) yeah, you're not, you're not going to outcompete Nora Roberts. No way. Nope. So type my name in as well. uh, Yep. So Wade Thomas from the heart, you'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Any parting thoughts, Wade?
2: You know, uh, this is something that everybody can do. Yep. You know, it's just, it's a matter of taking that step and and having the courage to go and do it. And, uh, and really I just, I kind of leave the ball on the listener's court. Yeah. You know, you know, there's great tools out there. Go and make it happen.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Wade Thomas, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. What you do is important. I love how your work with business leaders overlaps so much with the work that I do regarding marketing and sales and storytelling. And uh, it just makes perfect sense that that people who are bringing something of value to their clients are in effect leading them in the same way that good business leaders are are leading and working with their coworkers, their employees uh, on the factory floor. So thank you for that, all of you who, <coughs> pardon me, all of you who are listening or watching today. Please, if you enjoyed what you heard, give us a five star rating on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get the podcast. You also can go and see past episodes, uh, show notes. Download the recordings at storypowermarketing.show. And as always, check out storypowermarketing.com, free resources, sign up for the mailing list, check us out if you are interested in figuring out how to transform your content From boring to brilliant, turn marketing from frustrating to fun, and transform your bottom line. So, Wade Thomas, thank you again. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Story Power Marketing Show.
2: Thank you, Tom.
0: Thanks for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails. Download free business-building resources and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.